words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the Lord, whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. In the thirteenth year of his reign, it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. And until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for gathering us together to um, be instructed by your word. We thank you for the time you've given us to worship your holy name. We pray that you would come and remove all distractions, that you would help us to be focused now on your word as it is delivered to us, and speak to our hearts. Let us hear the things that we need to hear. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Last week, we finished up by uh, looking at the story of Hezekiah. Uh, And if you remember at this point in our story, uh, the nation of Israel has been divided. You have the northern and the southern kingdom, and the northern kingdom has been carried off into captivity Uh, as a result of their uh, idolatry and rebellion. Uh, But because of the reforms of Hezekiah and the righteous life that he lived, uh, the Lord decided to preserve uh, the southern kingdom from this impending judgment during his life. Uh, All of Israel was coming under judgment because of their uh, disobedience. uh, And since they had come into the land, uh, they were uh, rejecting God's word and following idols. And as we have said, God will conquer Israel's enemies if they obey him, but if they do not, he will use their enemies to conquer them. So this brings us to the ministry of Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah is a prophet in the southern kingdom before it is brought off into exile during the judgment. And uh, Hezekiah's son, Manasseh, who came right after him, did a lot to reverse the reforms that Hezekiah was working uh, in Israel And so Jeremiah is raised up uh, by God during the reigns of the last five kings in that southern kingdom to warn the people uh, what will happen if they continue on in this way, if they do not repent and turn back to the Lord. Uh, His message is simple. They will be overrun uh, by their enemies and brought off into captivity if they do not repent. So today we are looking at the call and the commission of Jeremiah. And as we will see, our call... Uh, The call and commission of Jeremiah is very similar to the call and commission that we receive uh, from the Lord Jesus Christ. And our response 
to our call in commission is often very similar, if not exactly the same, to Jeremiah's response that we uh, see here in his prophecy. And since we are oftentimes short-sighted, we need to be careful not to allow our sinful tendencies to get in the way of our calling and commission. So in our passage today, we're going to learn some things from uh, Jeremiah about how we can avoid some of those temptations and errors in our thinking. So if you start back with me in verses uh, 1 through 3, we read the word, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the, uh, the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign, came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the uh, fifth month. Okay, so we're told... Uh, Jeremiah begins to receive his prophecy uh, during the days of Josiah, and that his prophecy continues all the way until the time that Jerusalem is captured. Now, Josiah is a righteous reformer. He does a lot of really great things in Israel to turn the people back to uh, faithfulness to the Lord. So Jeremiah begins his ministry under the, uh, under the leadership of a faithful king. Uh, but the kings that come after Uh, Josiah, Jehoiakim, Zedekiah, and the other two kings that are not mentioned here, uh, probably because their reigns were so short, not so much. Okay, not so much. Um, So as we'll see, Jeremiah's ministry is a warning of judgment. Uh, It's a ministry of warning and judgment. He warns the people that they need to totally reform their behaviors and keep the covenant. Uh, And if they do not, the uh, the disaster will definitely come upon them. And by the time Jeremiah finishes his ministry, the people have been conquered, uh, the city and the temple has been leveled, and the people are in captivity uh, to their enemies in Babylon. So Jeremiah begins his ministry during a time of relative peace, although there are signs that not all is well uh, in Jerusalem, as it were. There are some signs of rebellion, and it ends with the people experiencing uh, the worst fate that they could possibly Imagine. Okay, so there's the context. Verse 4, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And he starts out by saying, The word of the Lord came to me. Uh, And this is important to note because Jeremiah is grounding his authority in God, right? He begins with, God. God has established his calling as a prophet, and unless God makes a man a prophet, he is no prophet at all. So he starts with his calling. And by the way, all the prophecies of Jeremiah would later on uh, be written down by his secretary and read before Israel. So what we're reading here is what was written down later uh, for Israel and for us. And uh, what we see there is that it was God who called him into the ministry and not man. And therefore, the things that he says come to us from the very mouth of God. Two other things here that are important for us to notice. Jeremiah says the word before twice. uh, Before you formed me and before I was born. And there's a connection between the two things that God does prior to uh, Jeremiah's birth. The text says, before God even formed him in the womb, he knew him. And before he came out of the birth control, God had consecrated him. Or he had set him apart to 
to be a prophet. So what does this mean? First, what does it mean for Jeremiah to be known by God uh, before he formed him in the womb? Does, does this mean that Jeremiah existed somewhere prior to his birth and that God knew him there? You know, did Jeremiah live on another planet somewhere uh, out there in the universe and, and God knew him there and then when he was born, God sent him here to earth? No, this is not what it means. And the Bible says that God knew Jeremiah beformed him in the womb. It means that he knew who he would become. He had an intimate knowledge of his person. And how is it that God has this intimate knowledge of his life before he is born? Well, because God predetermined the life that he would live, who he would be, and who he would become before he was ever born. That's how God knows about it, because it's part of his plan. You see? Uh, Which brings us to the second before. He says, before you were born, I consecrated you. Uh, And the word consecrated means to be set apart as holy. So Jeremiah is set apart for this holy purpose before he was ever even born. Uh, God has an intimate knowledge of Jeremiah's life before he was born, uh, a, a knowledge that creates a relationship between him and Jeremiah. It is a relationship that must come to pass, and it is a relationship that cannot be broken. Okay, uh, We could say it like this, Jeremiah is predestined to become God's prophet before he is ever even born. Uh, God formed him for this very purpose. He was born for the very purpose of becoming his prophet at this particular point in history. Which is the next thing he says. He says, I appointed you to be a prophet to uh, the nations. This means God ordained him to this. He chose him for this. And he had plans to make him into this before he was ever even born. Uh, Paul says something very similar in his letter to the Galatians we read this morning. He said that God had set him apart to be an apostle to the Gentiles before he was ever even born. God had a purpose in Paul's life, and he determined that Paul would be that man who went to the Gentiles. And if you think about Paul's life prior to him becoming an apostle to the Gentiles, he was many things, right? He's a, uh, he's a Pharisee, he's a scholar, he's a persecutor of the church, but yet in all of those things... God was at work to shape him and to mold him and to make him into his apostle to the Gentiles because that was God's purpose for Paul's life before he was ever even born. You see that? So you see the connection? Um, It's the same for Jeremiah. God has plans to use Jeremiah as a prophet in the southern kingdom at this particular time period before he is ever even born. In verse 6, we read, Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. So this is sort of Jeremiah's response to uh, the calling and commission. Well, what do you know? When God calls him to be a prophet, he starts making excuses. (laughs) Does that remind you of anybody? Remember Moses? When God called him to be a a prophet, something very similar. I don't speak well. You know, I'm not eloquent. He starts making up all these excuses. And here, Jeremiah says something similar. He says, I do not know how to speak since I'm I'm only a youth. Uh, Now, the word translated youth here can be uh, 
a bit misleading, I think, because Jeremiah is probably 20 or 25 when he does receive uh, this calling at this point. So I think it could better be translated young man or something like this, adolescent. It can include a man in his adolescent. But nevertheless, the point still stands. He is a young man as far as Israel is concerned. And so he doesn't feel like he has the authority to speak to the people yet in this way. He's like, who am I? But God says, you're not going to go and speak your words to them. You're going to speak my words to them. I'm going to put my words in your mouth and you'll speak those. And you're not going based on your own authority. You're going based on the authority that I give you. You see? And God's authority is authoritative no matter what, no matter who you're talking to. So he's perfectly fine to go and do this thing. God has called him and he's equipped him and he's giving him everything that he needs to do it. Uh, and God gives him the same exhortation here that he often gives to his servants during times like, they, like these. Fear not, do not be afraid because I am going to be with you. Right? Because we get scared, we get shook up about our calling. But uh, Jeremiah is only going to go to the places that God sends him with the words that he gives him. See, he's on God's mission. This is God's mission that Jeremiah is on. And uh, it's, I think, natural to be paralyzed with fear when faced with the daunting task of confronting people with our sin. But God says, I will be with you. And since God will be with him and God is going to give him the words to say and he's going to preserve him, he need not worry. He has nothing to worry about. He's going to give him everything necessary for his calling. He's called him, he's equipped him, and he is providing for him along the way. All right. And verses 9 and 10, Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So before we saw that God had appointed Jeremiah to do uh, this work as a prophet, we looked uh, at the appointment and um, Now we are seeing the things that God tells Jeremiah to do as a prophet, the thing that he's calling him to do. Uh, In other words, before we were looking at Jeremiah's calling, now we're looking at his commission. Okay, Um, As I said, uh, Jeremiah's called during a uh, very specific time to carry out a very specific ministry in Israel's history. So let's examine that a little bit. First of all, God says he set him over nations and kingdoms. He set him over nations and kingdoms. This is to say that Jeremiah is not only a prophet to the people in Judah, but that he is going to be a prophet to the nations round about. In other words, his his ministry includes the entire world at that time. Uh, the entire then-known world is about to go under undergo some radical changes. Uh, there's going to be political upheaval and rearrangement Nations are going to be cast down. Peoples are going to be conquered and kingdoms are going to be established. And Jeremiah has a word to say about it all to them, to everyone. He speaks from every person, from the common person to uh, the king. His ministry is all encompassing. So God says he has set him over nations and kingdoms. Uh, Further, we see that his ministry has a twofold purpose, tearing up and building down. Tearing up and building down. Uh, Is that backwards? Tearing down and building up. (laughs) Tearing down and building up. 
Uh, and if we're going to be precise, we would have to say uh, that the bulk of Jeremiah's ministry uh, has, um, is a ministry of tearing down. It is a ministry of destruction. The first phase of his ministry is fourfold. He is to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, and to overthrow. And he does this by confronting sin in his day. He confronts the people, he confronts the king, and he confronts nations. If you read the book of Jeremiah, you see Jeremiah confronts everybody. Um, and he confronts them with their sin, and he utterly demolishes any hope that they have of surviving the coming judgment unless they repent. That's the thing. They've got to repent. Uh, so the first part of his ministry uh, is, is a ministry of demolition. He comes in like a wrecking ball, as it were, and for that reason, people do not like him. <laughs> uh, before Jeremiah's ministry is, is done, uh, there has been a plot to kill him. He's been in prison, and he was also thrown into a pit where he was left to starve. So suffice it to say, Jeremiah was not very popular in his day. Um, second, uh, he's to build and to plant. He is to build and to plant. The second phase of Jeremiah's ministry is a ministry of hope. So after Jeremiah has torn down the whole world, as it were, with his prophecy, he delivers to them a word of hope. This is to say, after he gets done preaching the law about the coming judgment, he delivers them some good news. He delivers the gospel, as it were. He brings a word of promise to them from the Lord. As a matter of fact, the uh, chapters, uh, um, 30, chapters 33 through 33 30 through 33 in the book of Jeremiah have often been referred to as the book of comfort uh, or the book of consolation because they take on an entirely different tenor uh, than the rest of the book. And the message is simple. Uh, God never totally abandons his people. Uh, God has made some promises to his people and he is not going to take those promises back no matter what. He will establish them with them, uh, establish them in them. So, Uh, There is a glimmer of hope uh, in Jeremiah's prophecy. Uh, He talks about a coming restoration later on. But the people must first repent. And it's going to take a lot of judgment before the people repent, uh, which is usually the case, by the way. All right, so what are some things that we can learn from the calling and commission of Jeremiah? Well, friends, we too have been commissioned just like Uh, called and commissioned just like Jeremiah. Each one of us, if you are a Christian here today, you have been known by God from before the foundation of the world. The Bible says that that, uh, we were uh, foreknown uh, by God. We were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Um, And by the sanctification of the Spirit, we were chosen to obey uh, Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian today, you have been chosen. And if you have been chosen, you have been called. And if you have been called, you are called to obey. We've been called to obey the uh, great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ, which, strangely enough, sounds very similar to uh, Jeremiah's commission, which we'll see here in just a moment. Now, what does it mean that we are to be obedient um, to our commission? Does Does it mean that you know, we can just be obedient in some things and not others? Or does God, is, is, our, is God's call on our life all-encompassing? Does it include all that we are and, and what we're going to do for Him? Well, the answer is obvious. Uh, uh, Christ is Lord, and since He is Lord, He demands our total allegiance. We don't um, preach a halfway gospel. It's either all or none. 
And it, it begins at the cross where we bow the knee to Jesus Christ, acknowledging uh, that he is not only the Lord of all men, but he is the Savior, indeed, of all men. But it doesn't end there. When we, when we repent of our sins and trust in Christ to save us, he saves us perfectly and completely, entirely. Uh, but that's the only, uh, but it's only the beginning of our calling. We've been called to become like Christ. Right? Paul says in his letter to the Romans that we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So that means God has a plan to make you look like Jesus before you were ever even born. Uh, which means that you're called to a life of obedience and sacrifice. Because that is the only way, friends, that our lives will look like the life of Jesus Christ, because he lived a life of obedience and sacrifice. And again, it's obedience to him in all things. What does he tell us in the Great Commission? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Based on the authority, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me, therefore go and disciple the nations, the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I taught you. And lo, I will be with you to the end of the days. He's going to be with us in it to do it. Sounds strangely similar. Remember, God set Jeremiah over nations, and he gave him authority, and he told him to tear down and to build up, and he said that he was going to be with him when, when he did it. But there's more. Uh, when God calls us to do something, we are just like Jeremiah, are we not? We start making excuses, don't we? What did, Jer- what did Jeremiah say? I'm just a youth. Nobody will listen to me. As, and isn't that what we say? You know, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. I, I don't know if I have the gifts and the ability to do that. I don't know if I'm mature enough. I don't know if that ministry will really benefit from me. And God says, do not say that I'm a youth. That is, do not, do not say if I, have, if I have called you and commissioned you to do something that you're not able to do it. Because I have prepared you and I have equipped you and made you ready to do this thing from before you were ever even born. I have qualified you. I have called you. And I'm not saying it's wrong to be uh, trepidatious about taking uh, a call in the church or about doing something in the church. As a matter of fact, it is a prideful man or woman um, who thinks nothing of uh, the, the uh, invitation that he receives to serve in the church. And they're, they're ready to jump up and serve in every opportunity that they give them. No, no contemplation, no questioning, and they're really ze- zealous to take up leadership positions in the church. And we need to be careful of that. Okay, We need to be careful of that. Uh, but we also ought not to think that we are not called to do something just because we don't feel like it's something that we could ever see ourselves doing. Right? Um, remember, God set Jeremiah apart before he was born for this purpose, and yet he was 20 or 25 when he finally received the call. And it definitely wasn't something that he felt like doing. He, wasn't, he didn't want to go and confront everybody, their sin, tell them that you're about to come under the judgment. Um, it's not something he wanted to do. A lot of times when God calls you to do something, it's, you're going to feel uncomfortable with it. It's not going to be something that you're comfortable with doing. And a lot of times when God calls you to do something, it's not going to be something that you think you could ever see yourself doing. 
There's four or five people in this church that I know of right now who are serving Christ and doing things for Him that if you would have asked them 20 or 30 years ago if they would have been doing these things today, they would have laughed at you. One of them wouldn't have even been born 30 years ago. Uh, But you see, again, God is calling us before we are born to do the things that we are called to do. He predestines us to them, uh, which should bring us great comfort because we know that He will be with us in them uh, as we go to carry them out. So if God calls you and appoints you to do something, He's going with you in that thing, whatever it is, to accomplish His ends in it. Uh, This is why God told Jeremiah, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And sometimes we will be afraid. Um, sometimes there will be uncertainty uh, about our calling, and we'll be scared. Um, sometimes there will be, um, it'll, it'll seem like a daunting task. Uh, sometimes it'll seem like an utter impossibility, but it's during those times that we need to not fear and remember that if God is calling us to do something, He will go with us in it and give us, give us the wherewithal to do it, whatever it is. Finally, I'd I'd like to mention some other similarities between our commission and Jeremiah's commission. God gives Jeremiah uh, authority over nations and kingdoms to tear down and to uh, build up. And Jesus in the Great Commission says, I have all authority and power in heaven and earth. Now go and disciple the nations, baptizing them, teaching uh, them to obey uh, all that I have taught you. This is to say, once again, we are involved in a ministry among the nations of tearing up and uh, uh, tearing down and building up. Our work is all-encompassing. The, the church has something to say to everybody, from the individual person to the whole world. <laughs> and like Jeremiah, uh, we are to tear down and build up with our words. In order for the gospel uh, to really make progress in the world, some things have to be torn down, and others put into their place. And again, as we said a couple weeks ago, we're at war with ungodly ideologies, and these ideologies are vying for the commitment of people and nations. And so the work of the gospel is to confront idolatry when we see it. It is to confront anything that sets itself up against God's kingdom and tear it down with the truth of His word, and in its place put the promises of the kingdom. And as we do, God continues to establish his kingdom based on his truth in the world. And as ungodly nations and ideologies are removed, the kingdom of God and the gospel will begin to flourish in their place. Moreover, I also think that we need to regularly take a look at ourselves. Individually, we need to be examining ourselves to, to see what sort of things uh, need to be Um, rooted out of our lives and destroyed so that the truth of the gospel might flourish in their place. Because again, we are to tear down and build up. And therefore, every part of our life that is sinful or unbiblical needs to be smashed to pieces, and then the truth of the gospel is to be put in its place. So look into your own hearts. Uh, Where do you find unbelief? Where do you find lies? Where do you find things that do not accord with the truth of Scripture? Uh, where do you find things that you know are sinful? Right? Look, at your, look at your life. 
What are some things that you know you should not be doing? Uh, what are some things that you know you should be doing, but, that you, but you're not doing these things? And those are the things upon which we are to make war. We are to fight and wrestle and do whatever it takes to overcome these failings and make it our aim to see the truth of the gospel uh, flourish in their place. So in the final analysis, we've seen that our calling and commission is very similar to the calling and commission of Jeremiah. We have been called to the work that God would have us to do in the church and in the world from the very beginning. And He has been at work in our lives to prepare us and to equip us for that work. And He will be with us wherever we go to carry it out, for it is His work. And we are called to tear down and to build up among the nations. And it is vital that unbiblical and ungodly ideologies are overthrown and that the truth of the gospel be put in their place. For the war that we fight is over the hearts of men. And it is only when the hearts of men are changed that we will see any true and lasting victory and progress in the world. But in order to do this work, we need help. Uh, We need strength in the Lord's table is one of those places, it's one of the means that God has determined to strengthen us to do this work. Um, And it is here that He uh, nourishes us with the grace and life that is necessary to fight this fight of faith in the world week in and week out for the sake of Christ 